Welcome. My name is Dan Hughes. I'm Client Portfolio Manager here at the firm. With me today is Chris Wallace, Senior Portfolio Manager, CEO and CIO at Von Nelson. And so let's talk a little bit more uh, granularly about what you're looking for in a business, right? So let's let's walk through a hypothetical company. Um, touch on the tools that you use. What's a little bit unique about the process? Sure. Um, talk about uh, where you got, where you began with that, where you are today, um, and how you're evaluating a specific company. Yeah. So and, and again, it goes back to to making money. And the first part of making money is not losing money. Um, and so we really kind of focus on asymmetric payoffs, you know, with the goal of trying to compound at 15%, anything can look like it's 15% over undervalued. What we're really doing, and I think this is critical because it is what makes a process repeatable is you're looking at making investments over a period of time. And for us, it's a three-year window and it's that ability to trade time for value that allows you to capture value because the whole world's looking for what's going to go up in the next three months. And that's just not a game we're going to play or even what's going to go up this year because we don't have any idea. Um, but when we're looking for individual companies, I think it's it's critical to think about what we believe. And what I believe and and, and, and our philosophy is built around is that what drives intrinsic value is return on invested capital. Uh, and the reason that's important is that it's a very predictable measure uh, what the, the number or the level of assets that an industry needs really doesn't change significantly over time. Uh, where companies sit in their supply chain, meaning how much negotiating leverage uh, they have with customers or suppliers and that ability to protect margin and retain some economic rent really doesn't change significantly over time. It doesn't mean that it's not volatile. It just means peak to peak, trough to off, it's predictable. And so essentially, we really look for three situations because I think there's three ways to make money. Um, you either invest in a company where the growth is highly certain, like I'm pretty sure we're going to do more outpatient surgeries uh, next year than we did this year. We're going to do even more two years from now than we did this year. I'm going to be doing more five years from now than we did this year. So companies that are exposed to outpatient surgeries are going to continue to see volumes increase. Um, and so where you have highly uh, high degree of certainty as it relates to the growth, but yet you're not paying for any of that growth, then you're simply going to make money without multiple expansion, but just through the growth of the earnings themselves. And so that is kind of our, I'd say our, our, our preference is to find uh, kind of this undervalued growth opportunity. And we're going to usually tilt the portfolio more that direction to the extent those opportunities exist in the marketplace. Um, oftentimes with these companies, in addition to the earnings growth, you get multiple expansion. More importantly, in a market today, and this equity market is very expensive, uh, it's going to be growth, what actually allows you to preserve your share price and protect that capital. The other opportunities we look for uh, is really cyclical recoveries. Uh, in this sense, we're looking for cyclical businesses where peak-to-peak Trough to trough, the underlying return on investment capital is stable to improving, similar traits that we look for in our undervalued growth, uh, but where there's a big enough disconnect between the valuation and the opportunity set, uh, and that we can measure and track the catalyst for that industry kind of recovering and that cyclicality closing. Uh, that we're willing to deploy capital and take the risk. A great example was the energy investments we started making a year, year and a half ago. 
Um, you know, what I'd say today is a lot of the cyclicals, although they've been leading the market since uh, midsummer, they're not cheap. Uh, energy really uh, is not cheap. And so, again, it's where we go back and rely on some of our more macro and cycle work and look and say, is this the beginning of a new secular move or are we back to shorter cycles and you need to trade these? And that'll kind of drive, uh, you know, how much we allocate to the cyclical areas as well as when and how we need to take profits. And then the third opportunity we look for is where the bulk of our return is going to come from a dividend yield. Uh, And for this, the dividend yield needs to be 10% or better. It can't be a special dividend. It can't be a one-time dividend. They can't be liquidating their balance sheet. It needs to be just a simple fact that we believe the stock price is wrong and is allowing an exceptionally large dividend to occur. This typically occurs at the bottom of credit cycles. So when you lay it out, essentially all we're doing is saying we're going to make money either by buying highly certain highly valuable growth where we're not paying for any of the future growth. We're going to buy assets that are oversold where we can identify and track a catalyst to recovery, or we're going to get paid a cash on cash return in the form of a dividend. And the advantage that gives us is there's always some opportunity in the marketplace, but a lot of times at different parts of the business cycle, it may take one of these groups away from us uh, kind of in size Uh, And when it does that, we can revert back to other factors in order to retain kind of value in the portfolio and protect capital. And so that we're not kind of a mean reverting strategy over time. So so you've touched an awful lot about looking at companies, looking at the macro, getting the portfolio construction to the point where you want it to be, why you've done that. Let's talk about the flip side. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what happens when something doesn't work, right? How do you determine uh, a pivot point, right? What what point do you decide to make a decision? How do you uh, stay with your conviction? And do you determine if it's you that's gotten this uh, this trade wrong or is it the market? Uh, do, you ha- do you hold on? Um, at what point do you decide, okay, I need to walk away? Yeah, um, I think the most important thing of being a good investor is you have to be very good at saying you're wrong. You need to admit you're wrong and admit it quickly. Um, You know, as far as uh, when we need to say, hey, we're wrong uh, and we need to move on, the first thing is you have to know why you own something. Uh, And for every one of our companies, we have a very specific thesis. We have a very specific pathway to realizing value Um, And so there may be news that comes out that is negative from a price action standpoint. However, if it doesn't change that thesis, uh, then we're more often than not, we're going to stick with it. Uh, We're not dogmatic, uh, but we do, we'll go back and and check our thesis. Does this change our assumptions? Is this a temporary factor? As an example, you know, if it's, we don't have a lot of retail today because of the secular challenges there, but if there were nuances surrounding a same-store sales uh, and they were somewhat weaker than it anticipated for a quarter and a stock price went down, but we really own the company because uh, they have a square footage growth story and the same-store sales is more cyclical in nature, you know, we're not going to probably change our thesis around that. However, if it was, in fact, a same-store sales story and a market share gain, issue, then yeah, we're absolutely going to admit we're wrong and move on. Um, The other thing we'd like to say, and and kind of as a general rule of thumb, is nothing destroys value faster than good competition or bad management. 
So if the reason why your stock is under pressure is because of increasing competition or bad management decisions, move on. Sell the security, and your first sell is always your best sell. Um, and so don't be afraid uh, to certainly uh, decide that you know this thesis isn't playing out as it as it should, and, and just cut your losses and move on. So, so you've been doing this, knocking on the door here of uh, two decades. Talk a little bit about you know, what gets you up every day, uh, what gets you excited about investing today. Yeah, I got three kids in college and a lot of tuition to cover every day. So perfect. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no better motivator than that. Now, honestly, I love this job, um, and what I love about it is I love the intellectual challenge, um, and I love the competition. Um, and you know, you get, you get a scorecard every day, you get to build on it every day. Uh, and there's just, there, there's, ne you're never at a loss for intellectual curiosity. Uh, and for me, that just feeds who I am personally. Maybe I, I live too much in my own head, but I kind of like being able to wake up to a new world every day, think about different issues, rethink about, uh, things that, that you kind of took for granted as, as knowns. Um, and it, it's just the ultimate challenge to me. Uh, and the more difficult it gets, the more excited I get to win because, you know, there's nothing more uh, rewarding, I think, than, than reaching a goal when, you know, nobody said you could do it. Um, you know, I, I just look back at when we started in 99, and I know people are, are really concerned about uh, risk assets, and they should be. I mean, we're sitting here in market cap to GDP is at 120%, the only time it's been higher than 99. And, we're at valuation levels we were in 07. We're at valuation levels we were in 1929. Uh, we all know that, that QE uh, has been what sustained us. We know we had eight years to deal with our entitlements, uh, and the last administration chose to do nothing about it. So, uh, you know, the risk have not decreased by any stretch of the imagination. They've increased. Uh, but similarly, if I, you know, if we would have showed up in 99 and I came to you and said, Hey, you know, I've never run a portfolio before and I got 15 million bucks and I'm going to try to grow it at 50% a year, every three years. And along the way, the dollar's going to crash and then it's going to rise up. Uh, we may fight a couple of wars. Oil's going to go from 11 to 135. Oh, and we're going to wipe out the entire banking system along the way. Uh, and, oh, I'm never going to short, and I'm only going to be long, and I'm going to stay fully invested, uh, you want to sign up. And, uh, you know, I, there's no way. I mean, nobody would have bought that, that train ride, but that's the ride we've been on. And similarly, if I came to you in 2007 and I said, look, I'm scared to death. Um, you know, I think we're at the top of a systemic credit crisis. We're going to nationalize the banks uh, I think the you know in, in a in a good sense of the world I think it could come to an end. Uh, you you want to put some money in my fund and oh by the way I'm not going to short and I'm going to stay fully invested. I don't think I'd have got a lot of buyers then either. And so I I always think there's opportunity in the market. I think it's up to us to understand how the world's changing, and I feel very safe in saying that right now. Uh, at the beginning of 2017, we're going to go through and we're beginning the largest change that I've seen in my <laughs> career, uh, certainly in the last uh, you know, kind of 17, 18 years. More importantly, I think it's going to be the largest change we've seen since the early 70s. 
Uh, and I think people are going to look back three years from now and go, holy crap, I can't believe everything we've been through. And it's going to create lots of ways to make money. And it's going to create lots of ways to lose money. Um, and so you just got to be careful. So final question on the, on the investing side of things is any suggestions for folks that are looking for interesting books to read, other podcasts that might be a, a good reference point, um, analysts, websites, anything that you would uh, can, can steer them toward uh, if they're looking for some more uh, insight and something that you uh, find valuable? Yeah, I, you know, I would. I, I think uh, a relatively new service and one that, that I think is good, even you, you may not get a lot of ideas from it, but more importantly, as an investor, it really keeps you thinking is I think Real Vision does a great job of putting together kind of uh, current and, and relevant uh, videos uh, uh, of, from some really top minds. Um, and there's a little bit of everything there. And I think more important is that you have a way that I, I really like, I, I like a lot of information sources. Uh, and I like to read a lot of opposing views to what I may think at the time, because I think it's important that you're able to, uh, articulate the argument, why you may be wrong. Uh, and it, and it forces you to keep a very open mind. So I think that's a great source. It's a great uh, way to see a lot of different viewpoints in a relatively efficient manner. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, don't listen to traditional economists and don't listen to bureaucrats. Uh, they have their own agenda and it has nothing to do with economic truth. So certainly turn off the Fed, turn off the Treasury, uh, turn off the IMF. Um, I, I think uh, certainly if you look at their forecasting ability, it's appalling uh, and it's not going to get any better. So I would completely ignore that. Um, and I think you can do the same thing with the mainstream press. They're all about selling articles. They're not about seeking economic truth. Uh, but I, don't be afraid to challenge your assumptions. I think it's very dangerous. Humans have uh, this innate uh, need to feel like they understand the world. And by the time most people arrive in their 40s, they have a fairly uh, structured view of how the world works. And I think you just need to remind people that the economy is not a machine. Uh, it's a few billion individuals interacting with each other, and it's constantly changing, and it cannot be modeled, and it cannot be uh, understood in a complete fashion, and it is not static. Um, so keep your eyes open to change for sure. Thank you, Chris. We certainly appreciate your time today. Important information. The analysis and opinions referenced herein represent the subjective views of Daniel Hughes and Chris Wallace as of January 18, 2017. They are subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any reference to specific securities, sectors, or markets within this material does not constitute investment advice or a recommendation or an offer to buy or to sell any security or an offer of services. This communication is for information only and is intended for investment professional use only. This material may not be redistributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. Although Natixis Global Asset Management believes the information provided in this material to be reliable, it does not guarantee the accuracy, adequacy, or completeness of such information. Provided by NGAM Distribution LP, 399 Boylston Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02116. Compliance Code 17151461111. Job Pod 78B, 0217 expires 12 31, 17.